Hello, welcome to Waiting for Game, a podcast presented by Melee Stats. I'm your host, Gimme Dat Wheat, and uh, we've got a little bit of a Garden State episode today. We've got uh, we've got some of the best and brightest from uh, from New Jersey. <clears throat> Sorry, that's the uh, norovirus that's coming up. Uh, I guess we'll get to that in a second. Um, but we got some of the best and brightest from New Jersey, past and present. To, uh, to talk about the latest tournament that we just had. We just had Collision 2023 in uh, Parsippany Troy Hills, which I believe uh, Ipengu on our last episode, Lambasta does the boonies. And we got some New Jersey hate towards that. So maybe we'll ask our guests today how they feel about that. And, uh, you know, I, I have one of the, uh, one of the most well-spoken, um, the biggest lifting people in the scene. Of course, I'm talking about my, uh, my good friend, Ambi Sinister. What's going on, Abby? What's up? I'm here to talk about New Jersey. Everyone, you're here in your that. in your new echo chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, we got some uh, complaints about our audio issues last week. So happy to you know make it worse. welcome people back in with yeah <laughs> with you sounding like the voice of God. Uh, but yeah, very happy to have you here and uh, happy to have with you. Yeah, we we talked about him, the second coolest Jake that was in top eight. Probably the third coolest Jake to be at the event. You know, shout-outs to Crike. But uh, we've, we've got Chroma here. What's going on, Chroma? I'm just chilling. You know, Zane does not like New Jersey, does not like the suburbs. When I showed him my new house, he very politely did not say that he would kill himself if he had to live there. So, you know, for all intents and purposes, he, he performed very well last week, is what I'd like to say. He, he's, his normal level is much more angry at New Jersey. <laughs> I'm glad that Ipengu's rage towards New Jersey could be subsided just a little bit. Um, we're going to get into what happened at the event very shortly, but um, let's talk about how um, you know how the event went, because this is kind of a weird event. We were talking about it before, is that uh, it's an event that probably would not have been so important in any other year, but you know now it's uh, like the cornerstone <laughs> of, uh, of the first part of the season you know this uh first time melee event a long-running ultimate event it's now being called like a, a almost a super major which um i think we'll talk about that that might be a lot to to handle for something like this um but jake and i both win and, and i want to talk to ambi about your experiences watching but uh before we do that jake how did you feel as an attendee i uh, this was probably your first collision right because everything else is ultimate so how was that yeah, I mean, it was interesting. First of all, the TOs on the melee side, Anchor and Nico, are my goats. I had no problems with the other, you know, the top TOs as well. What I would say is that it's interesting because from a competitive perspective, you look at who's there, you look at how difficult top 64, top 32, top 8 were. This was a super major in that respect. In the respect mm -hmm. of being able to handle as many people as, you know, a Genesis or a Shine or honestly, you know, kind of smaller level tournaments, this was... I've, I've never been to, like, a Xanadu-type event. Well. But space-wise, it was tough, right? Like, if I were an active competitor, I think I would have had a really tough time being there. What helped for me was just not actually being in the venue a lot. I live close by. I drove in. It was just kind of a crush of people. And it's funny because I think about the day when we can, you know, go to events where we don't have to worry about our health at every event. And, you know, I think the policies were good, and I'm happy that they were still there. If this were, like, a no-masking event, it would have been. I mean, we would have had even more crazy stuff going on, is all I've got to say. 
So, you know, it was neat. And I, I really think the Melee TOs were really responsive at the end of the day. It's just the venue is a bit small. Yeah. I think it's definitely one of those tournaments where expectations, you know, if you don't manage your expectations for going in, then I understand the complaints, right? You know, and, and I think that people had a fair amount of complaints without really realizing, you know, what whether or not they realized it or whether or not they just accepted that this was not a convention center tournament, right? This was not, like you mentioned, Shine or Riptide or the Big House or Genesis or anything like this, even though the talent was there, this was very clearly not it. And with all the news that we've been hearing recently about, you know, BTS and, and the couple-month-old news at this point about, uh, you know, VGBC and S, uh, SWT and Panda, like, these things are probably going to be more and more frequent. We had an episode where we had Junebug on, and we talked about how every single thing is capping right now. This is an event that capped 400-some entrants. We have Major Upset. That's our next big tournament. It's going to have, I think it's got a cap of, like, 380 or something like that, 386. Um, so we're going to be running into these things for a while and it's about the scene adapting and actually, you know, being in the mindset to, you know, go to a tournament like this. Uh, but for, in terms of term experience, I had a pretty good time. Um, I know a lot of people had complaints about the schedule and I know that's being worked on, uh, for future iterations and a lot of complaints about how, you know, if you want to (laughs) go, you better make friends with someone who has a car or, uh. You know, the Uber Eats receipts are going to pile up, and, and that's definitely true. But it's just uh, it's, it's a different world than it was uh, when we had an episode complaining about Pound. <laughs> I think that the, uh, you know, the, the melee landscape has, has differed a lot. So, yeah, it's, it's odd because I think that there are a lot of negatives that Collision had against it. But I have a hard time really keeping those uh, and, like, you know, thinking about how that would affect... Uh, how I feel about Collision in the future because the people who actually did the work put in did a great job. Not to say that TOs of other events that have like you know very <laughs> cramped environments don't, but I have some faith in the future of this event. You know, this is the first time they ran Melee. Um, I don't know if there's any plans in the future of a new venue to accommodate both games. I don't know if there's something along those lines or, or you know I don't I don't particularly know, but I do have faith. Um, that makes me kind of pause before I take any of my criticism and really levy it hard against this tournament. And but you didn't go to this. I don't know if you got a chance to watch. Did you? Uh, did you watch any at all this weekend? Oh yeah, uh, I definitely did get a chance to watch it. I, I missed that on Friday because I was working, um, so I didn't get to watch you know, giant giant melee. <laughs> Having a job um, flex. Um, <laughs> that's where we. But are. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I had a good time watching over the weekend. Um, if I could make like a very very quick analogy, um, I'll probably like get get more into this as we like go on into the episode. But to me, this tournament felt a lot like a Fight Pit Five, right? Where it was like, I think like there were a lot of complaints about like the schedule and the venue, um, and it, it kind of felt like it was a regional which had the responsibility of being a national. Um, and I think that that's like a very awkward spot to be because you know like oh it's like you know Mango and Mutual King are here or whatever right like um and it's like it it's hard for me to like really fault the tournament for stuff that like the tournament was too attractive to too many people which caused a bunch of problems right like that feels like a weird criticism for like you know punishing the tournament for being too successful in some respect um, but you know it definitely was kind of nostalgic watching it. Uh, because I think that, like, regionals were 
pretty neglected over like the last couple of years of, you know, like even slightly before the pandemic. Um, it seemed like a thing that like not a lot of people really paid attention to and like not a lot of super top talent really went to any of them. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, now we have, you know, Zane, Jamie, Grand Finals at like what I would consider like kind of a regional tournament that we're all paying attention to as if it's like, oh, it's like a really big tournament, really big deal for the scene. Um, and I kind of like that, right? Like I kind of like that there's kind of like a community-wide um, interest in regionals, even for top players. Um, I think we really needed that with like the collapse of, you know, BTS and stuff. So that's just my, my piece as someone that watched it from home. Um, I'm sure we'll talk just more to, about it. Just to add to that a little bit, I think what we're learning is that a lot of the bigger tournaments are not as sustainable as we would hope they were. A lot of them very openly ran losses for a while. And, you know, all it takes is just a couple of advertisers to go a different way one time. Yeah. Or, you know, something doesn't pay out the way that you'd expect it to pay out. You know? And all of a sudden, your tournament is just in, in danger of existing. And it's funny because, you know, I was surprised how many top players went and, you know, how competitive it was. Yeah. It speaks to, you know, kind of the centralization of talent on the East Coast these days, but we can come back to that. But... Yeah, I mean, I think this looks more like what tournaments will look like going forward. And I think somehow we're going to have to get used to that. The thing that I worry about is the schedule. Ultimate just got the first spot. There really wasn't much to do about that. And as far as the staggering on days one and two, to run those types of, you know, Shine or Genesis or, you know, Big House type um, transitions, you know, where you play your round one and then your round two or your round two and your top 64 to top eight, you know, in connection with each other. You need way more setups. You just need a mm -hmm. huge amount of setups in space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if any of you saw, but RJ, the uh, the head TO of this, did did a little recap. It's pretty cool to see, pretty enlightening. Um, and like you guys mentioned, yeah, it's seems pretty scary at times. Like all this seems very tenuous. Uh, he said that personal reasons meant that this planning started later than it should have, and then like a really big thing happened with um, Smash World Tour and, and Panda and suddenly a lot of advertisers didn't want in. You know, people who had signed up and given numbers and said stuff like that suddenly were pulling out because you know, you don't want to give money to a sinking ship, right? If you if you don't think that the tournament's going to happen like if there's any chance that it could be cancelled by Nintendo or by the fact that they have to just go under themselves um, why would you give money to this thing? So a lot of people dropped out and uh yeah it was it was just really interesting and and you know it's one of these things that like unfortunately it's not pretty because that's that's what the insight into these tournaments are going to be it's not going to be extremely pretty and um you know they talked about how they had prided themselves on a paid uh staff type of thing and had to switch to volunteers for a lot of it so there was a little getting used to there and i think that um you know i think this tournament had a lot of good volunteers and and uh it's just one of those things where like I would like to see. I would like to have them have the full run, because this was obviously a tournament that not only had to be the next super major, uh, but did it with not the cards not in its favor at all. So I'm willing to give Collision a pass for whatever happens. Um, which I want to say, I don't think any of it was that bad. I don't think anything really happened. Really, I mean, no, if I think exactly. about it, Nico, Nico, and Squad got a best of five only tournament just running completely on time didn't have as many setups and as many space you know as much space as you'd want still got it all done there was something funny like there were a couple conversations i was hearing throughout the year where it's like well you know if 
if Panda were still around, maybe things would be different. But from what I heard, you know, just to leak a little bit, I don't think they were hitting their activation targets. I don't think that was really going the way that, you know, <laughs> even if they were still around, I'm not sure how sustainable that whole thing was, you know. I think this is where we were headed into 23, regardless of even what happened at the end of the year. Yeah, it's a tough thing to say. Ambie, do you remember, uh, were you on the were you on the podcast a lot when I talked about, we talked about this last time, when I talked about uh, buyer's market? Oh, yeah. No, you talk about this all the time. So. I do. Well, <laughs> guess what? It's not a buyer's market anymore. Well, it's um, a buyer's think, market for talent. I think, well, I think people have to understand that they, they can't, um, you can't just sit out every single tournament for oh, no. various different reasons, right? People would sit out because, oh, I don't want to do this because it's, not, you know, whatever, right? They, they would they would pick, like, little things. Um, and, the like, there's real things about Collision that, that would turn me off from, from attending. But I don't think we're in the world where having to Uber Eats your food in is going to be a deal breaker anymore. And uh, you, you guys are right. You know, Collision and Major Upset are going to be these kind of, like, major-esque regionals type things or regional-esque majors whatever you want to call them they're they're going to feel a little awkward and i'm sure that you know full bloom coming back next year is going to have a similar spot in the scene and uh you know wave dash got bigger this year so so we might see them trail upwards but or they go upwards but uh yeah it, it could be a very real possibility where we have like kind of anchor majors where you've got um genesis and um big house and you know maybe like Battle BC and Gommel and SmashCon and Riptide, like those things, um, to various degrees, I feel pretty confident will still exist in their, in the iterations that we know them as. So maybe we start having the things that we used to do all the time, where it's like there are two tournaments a year and everyone goes to them, <laughs> and then everyone goes to the regionals. So it's a sad thing to imagine, but you know, I think that we we can't be, uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers at this point if uh, CEO and combo breaker want to host us and they have room and are sustainable, which who knows, right. In the tournament infrastructure, we don't even know if that is a big if or not. Um, yeah. I don't think that we can, we can be as choosy as we were before, but yeah, that being said collision, I personally had a really good time. Uh, I had a lot of friends there and I thought the talent pool there was really, really interesting. And, um, I think it's uh, some that we can we can get to right now. Do you guys want to talk about the results that happened at Collision? Because there are definitely a lot going on. You know, this is the first major that we've had since Genesis, so it's been about you know a little over a month, month and a half, and um, it's always cool to see this because this is talent from the other coast. Genesis had a lot of West Coast talent, a lot of talent from all over, uh, but Collision had like all the heavy hitters from the East Coast, uh, whether or not they were regged. I don't know. Chroma, did you notice how many good players are there and were just hanging out? There were a lot of like really talented people who would probably make top sixty-four at this who uh just were registered as a spectator or were not able to register in time as a competitor and had to go to the uh, to the door to buy their passes. But yeah, no, this is this is an event that not only included all the East Coast talent but included some European talent. Um, Abby, when you were watching, was there anything that stood out to you as uh? As like a really spectacular run. Oh well, I mean, I think you got to give it up to Zuppy, right? Yeah. Like, I think that, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's really no answer to this question that isn't Zuppy. Um, yeah, <laughs> I kept thinking like, as I do for a lot of these runs, where like, they beat one particular player that I thought was like a big upset, and then I'd be like, 
cool. Like they place one spot higher than I thought they were going to place. And then they're like, oh, but they play like a lot next. There's no, there's no way. Um, and they just like kept winning. So, you know, you got to give props to Moki. Um, or sorry, uh, to Zuppy. Moki also <laughs> had a very fun run at this tournament. Yeah. But, uh, you know, unfortunate uh, to run odd goat mook in loser's bracket. But the Hungry Box set was awesome. So that was another good one. Yeah, you want to talk about that? That set, like, fried my brain. Uh, Edwin and I were watching, and we were just like, why is this happening? And, uh, Jake, I know you're on commentary. I'm sure you probably are feeling something very similar. But I want to hear, Ambie, your little fox brain opinion on that set. Because I thought it was a very funny one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I really think that Moki is very hard for me to understand as a player, (laughs) right? Like, I get kind of similar vibes watching Plub. Um, where I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, stop that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it makes a little bit more sense to me watching Moki play like a Fox Ditto or like a Spacey, where like their psycho extension heavy uh, play style feels like, you know, like it has tangible reward that makes sense. Um, but Moki playing against floaties and Puff especially, I just feel like it shouldn't work. Like, I just, it just feels insane. Um, whenever he does the things that he does. But, like, it clearly is, like, sustainable and, like, reproducible and very good. So I, I don't know if I have anything particularly interesting to say about Pokey versus Floaties because it's just very different from, like, my internal processing of those matchups. It's just like, oh, this guy's just goaded. I can't do this. <laughs> what, I, what I end up thinking when I watch that, first of all, it was kind of weird. Why did all the up airs not get SDI'd? Why did the back airs get DI'd like that? There's well, a lot of questions. <laughs> that's drift. Uh, so what I think Moki is really good at versus Puff, and occasionally I see this in other matchups, he's bizarrely good at just attacking at spots that most people don't, but you can't. It almost reminded me of watching, like, what's that North Carolina video where it's just... Uh, oh, the, Evil? Is that what it's called? Evil, yeah. Yeah, North like North a little bit video, just like, yeah. oh, wow, you can attack Puff there. Like, you can back air here. Or you can try and, like, contest this there or do this extension. It just feels like Moki's really either practiced or thought about just like hitting hungry box on a lot of spots where hungry box isn't used to people coming at him which is kind of neat in the world of even cody and all the foxes that he plays i also thought it was weird like when i see a fox get hit with that many of the hungry box setups like the no rest up throw or the rolling rest i don't often see a, a fox windows you know yeah so it's no, really crazy. crazy yeah i thought it was over <laughs> One of the really weird things about watching was, I know, what, Moki went up like 2-0, right? Am I yeah. making that up? Yeah. On the first Dreamlight game, it, it was really solid if I remember right. So, maybe this is, maybe going up to uh, 2-0 and Hbox adds to this, but I didn't really feel afraid for Moki at ever, which which <laughs> is not generally how I feel when I watch Hbox. There's there's like very few times where I'm watching Hbox, and, and with a lead, where I go, this is fine. Like, uh, you know, Hbox would get a lead in stocks, and I was just like, well, you know, I bet Moki will uh, nair him a couple times, throw him up on the platform or whatever, get it to... Like, what, whatever he was doing, um, like, he was playing out of disadvantage very well, but also I don't think Hbox was capitalizing on the fact of, like, any single lead he had. I mean, it went game five, so maybe it's, like, rude to be like, he never capitalized on it. it but yeah, like it, it definitely felt like it was... Uh, it was not pushed as far, like, the advantage wasn't pushed as far as I normally see it in H-Box sets. It was no, weird watching somebody really... else have agency yeah, in a Hungry Box set. Yeah, right. <laughs> Abby, what um, are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, so I had I have two thoughts on this. The first is that, like, 
it's very funny that Hungry Box lost this set because he really had like the dream bracket to like oh, win the whole J-Mook. tournament. <laughs> he had Jmook into Zuppy into probably like that was that'd be like for losers finals, right? Um, yeah. So you know him him losing to Moki like right before that that tasty Jmook bracket, um, really really funny. Uh, yeah, no, I remember something that uh, Moki mentioned on our show when we had him that one time, uh, most recently, uh, where someone asked him about, like, how do you know how to be so good against Yoshi? And uh, I think he, he gave some answer that was like, I'm not a very good fox to study for Yoshi because I feel like my skill in that matchup is, like, being really comfortable in all the weird situations. And, like, it's not really like my overarching, like simple game plan is really strong. It's more just like I know where I can hit Yoshi really well. I felt like that about Jigglypuff as well for Moki, where it's like the structure is really hard for me to understand, but like it's very clear watching it that like Moki definitely knows this is a good situation for, for Fox or whatever. Um, very good judgment. So I think that like probably plays into why we it kind of felt like he wasn't in that much danger because he really just felt he like projected the comforting feeling of yeah. of you know being in the driver's seat the whole set where it was like okay well I rolled into the rest but like this is fine <laughs> uh, it's just like how it goes so he's a very interesting player to watch just like as a fox bean I think it's so. a cooler skill set to have than anything where it's just like you just have this really obvious and simple plan first of all I think people don't end up really liking it when they perceive that. They just think, oh, Fox is broken. I also think that, and who cares about them, really, at the end of the day, right? But I really, you know, I'd rather have that comfort in all those really weird situations. Whenever I've done best of this game, it's just like, I can't tell you, like, oh, I forced, like, I did this or that versus the puppets. Like, no, I just knew that, like, if you scrap with Pound here, I can hold down and dash grab and, like, you know. Or, like, versus Marth, you're like, I know that if he does, like, these three, like, wavelands, I'm fine. And then, you know, I, I think it's kind of a cooler way to play. But it's also it also is a little bit more adaptable if your first plan just does not work at all. Also helps when you're Moki and you can actually like do the most insane combos. Oh yeah, that I also mean, makes yeah. it very cool. <laughs> There's a couple different aspects that make it cool. Uh, well, we're coming off of the second major in a row where he has beaten Hbox. Both um, were, you know, he seemed pretty comfortable. This one was game five, I believe. That one was game four. Um, so we we got to start thinking you know is this what we're going to see more of is is moki going to be a threat i know we saw it online a few times but it took a lot of sets for us to actually see it uh, at, in like an in-person major um what do you guys think about hbox going forward he's kind of an interesting little you know case study because he's not really been succeeding necessarily but um he very well possibly has one of the most lopsided matchups in the top level against who could very well be the number one player in the world. Um, so where do you guys view HBox right now? What do you, what do you think, Gamby? Yeah, I mean, I'm not that worried for HBox. I think it's wishful thinking to think that HBox will not succeed <laughs> in Melee. <laughs> I think it was, a, it was a very fun period during quarantine when it appeared that he was not succeeding. But then you looked at his bank account, <laughs> and it was like, well, oh, he's just playing a different game than the rest of us. Yeah, he always wins. His eyes on his paper. But yeah, no, I mean, like, Hungrybox, I think, will be fine. I do not expect him to, like, suddenly start bombing. I'm a little bit more worried for Amsa, personally, um, mm-hmm. in terms of players that are top successful um, that are not succeeding in the early parts of this year. But I do think that, like, both of them can just, you know, 
pull it together for the next tournament. Like, I don't think there's any, like, huge skill moves that happen that is preventing everyone from succeeding in any particular tournament. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see, I guess. Well, yeah, do you want to talk a little about JMook's run? Speaking of, uh, you know, how the other people in the top five or whatever we want to call it are doing, um, we, you know, we, we talked about uh, how Moki ended up playing JMook and Losers. Something we haven't seen in a, in a little bit was uh, a Losers run of this caliber. And we were talking with uh, Ipengu in our last, our last podcast. Uh, he mentioned Leffen has never had a Losers run major. Uh, Zane pretty famously i think maybe maybe not famously but but it's a like a a thing that's been brought up a couple times is that he has not had a loser bracket round other than four local fight night <laughs> if you want to even count that um and and we see here jay mook you know dropped down to losers uh played cody and uh we got to see him he went through moki he went through zuppy those did not seem doable <laughs> it did not seem very close, uh, which for people like, you know, cracked foxes as they are, um, it's obviously very good. You know, he played Cody, and then he uh, he had the grand finals versus Zane, the 3-0 into reverse 3-0. One of the, I don't know, how, like, what do we think about this? Because this felt to me like one of the more dominating term performances that we saw, it just so happened to have a loss in it, right? <laughs> um, Jake, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it was Anouk that said this, and I think it was also very apparent in the venue. There were just three people there that nobody really had a chance to beat. And it's kind of yeah. wild that AMSA wasn't there. I mean, you know, I talk about where Hungrybox is going to be at the end of the year. I don't know about AMSA. He'll, he'll make it back, but it really just, I mean, if you watch the matches, there was like, J-Mook almost lost a game to Crike. Mott Money almost lost a game to Zane, And it's just like, they elevated so quickly past any level of, Oh, this is doable, or this is this is fine. Cody the entire time was just also on that level. Sometimes yeah. you can you feel like you can catch Cody off, and I don't know if that's a Fox thing or possibly something personal with the medication or, or something like that, right? Where he's just you do have these natural variabilities and you know the level that he plays at. But it was just it was really shocking to me when I watched Jay Mook once again just like tear Moki apart, and at no point Moki even looked like he could combo Sheik, and then. Yeah. Zuppy, Zuppy had like two stocks where things look good. And then, you know, Jay Mook kept doing what he does to Zuppy over and over again. But it was just, you know, it was it was weird, I guess. It was weird, like how badly Jay Mook and Zane and Cody just beat everybody that wasn't them. It was a little bit freaky. Not something we've seen it a little bit, right? We, we, used, we talked for a little, for yeah. a year, maybe more, about how wide open everything is. Uh, and it's possible that maybe we have to change our thoughts on that maybe it's not as wide open as we thought and the reason is because the it's actually the new guys who are doing all of the winning um you know we years and years ago it was the five gods and of course and you know it took a while to even have tournament winners outside of the generally you know them and plop and laughing um but yeah it, it feels it's two two majors in so maybe a little early but it does definitely feel different than it felt last year because last year felt like anyone could do it. And when we had our little round table thing, I think, what what did you guys say? Like seven people might win majors, eight people might win majors. I still stand um, by it. I'm getting a little worried. I don't know if it looks like a year where seven different people are going to win majors, considering yeah, one guy's won two. 
I guess and what was what was freaky to me about it, just to go back to it, is that like yeah. Cody played, you know, in you know in quarters he played Rishi who beat Kador and Rishi looked incredible, right? Yeah. And there was really no chance it felt like for Rishi to win, even in Marth Fox. And we know Cody's good at it, but it's it's Marth Fox, right? And then you also had Zayn versus Spark, where Zayn just crushed Spark, and you have Jay Mook versus it was Axe, right? And then you later mm-hmm. see like Jay Mook versus Moki, and it's just it's freaky that in those matchups. It's just it just did not look doable, and I don't know if it's going to look like that for the rest of the year. But I think we just have to take our hat off to just. I mean, when Jay when Jay Mook crouched the up smash and losers finals, <laughs> this is a classic Jay Mook moment. I think <laughs> it's like what you see, you this see the most unbelievable thing of all time. Yeah, but no, I think if I could just briefly talk a little bit about like the idea of losers runs, um, mm-hmm. it is very interesting thinking about like which players make the losers runs and which ones don't. Because, like, you'd think that, like, it would have something to do with consistency, maybe, because they have to, like, win twice as many sets as someone that would win through winner's bracket. Um, but, you know, then you get, like, players like Mango, who are not really known for their consistency, um, no. that can still make the losers run. And I wonder if there's just, like, a degree to which the losers runs happen to people that have the capability to beat the other guy through a wall really badly. I think that that's, like, the lacking element a little bit for some of these players that are, like, more winner's bracket players, like Zane and Leffen, where it's, like, I don't know, it feels a little bit more like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I'll win all the game five sets, and it's, like, I can I can do X, Y, Z thing. The big shock for me is Hungrybox not doing that, that well in Losers recently. Hmm. Um, that to me is the weird one because Hungrybox to me feels like the perfect candidate for like a great losers run player, and uh, we haven't really seen that, especially recently where he has been getting seventh, I think, at everything, right? Fifth at Genesis, right? Um, Fifth at Genesis, seventh here. Um, yeah, Hbox is kind of an interesting middle ground. You know, if you think about like uh, people, some of the some of the biggest names in melee history, Mango is like the losers run guy. Uh, and then you have to look at like, well, you know, Armada never really had to make a losers run. He he had yeah. um you know, he had like, like Evo, <laughs> his like Evo run to second was great. I think he um think Smash Summit two might have been a losers run or whatever. Like he had a few, but generally never had to. And it feels like Hbox is a funny middle ground because he's um he has the really like momentum based play that Mango has, and then also has the yeah like the just how do you beat this guy aspect that Armada had, where you know uh, Hbox in, in his prime was was like not really going to be one to uh to drop down too early uh and if he did he was not one to to get eliminated very early so yeah, yeah hbox is a very interesting player there and someone who we've definitely seen yeah not not really shine in that capacity i mean i talked about it on uh the episode that we had talking about level up expo and i'll reiterate it here <laughs> and maybe it's like i don't know it started as a joke but maybe there's some truth to it this is like ultimate season uh melee yeah. is like very clearly not the same game that ultimate is i know that it was always kind of big dogging us ever since we came back from the pandemic but uh now more than ever it's very clear and it's it's fucking summit season you know he got uh eliminated at third uh by kadoran at level X- expo that same weekend he got voted at a summit <laughs> like it, it's hard for me to take some of these things and and you know say that it's anything more than just him very obviously being distracted, which is like, that's on him, right? You know, if you're a competitor, you come in. I'm not trying to give excuses. Um, 
you know, if you're a, if you want to be viewed as a melee competitor, I'm not going to take in other aspects like that. But yeah, I, I wonder if uh, if we're going to continue to see him a little distracted. And then you got Leffen with Street Fighter Five or Six. Like, there's there's definitely little weird aspects here that kind of give me pause in the future. Um, and then we've got Plup, who has really been entering a lot, and Mango, who we don't even know the next time he's going to enter. So I guess the the question I have for you is, do we see someone getting to the level of J-Moog recently? Because his success, I mean, two majors in a row, you know, call it what you will, um, is is very big. Not a lot of people went back-to-back majors. I think, uh, I think Melody942 tweeted that out. Um, he is in a pretty elite tier of people who've done it. And uh, the last person who we saw that, that reminded me of this was... Zane last year winning Genesis and Pound, and at the time he looked extremely unbeatable. Uh, so I guess the question is how how do we view people? You know, can can someone reach JMook? So to answer a couple things, I'll answer this first, and then I'll talk about losers runs in a little bit. I mean, the thing that marked twenty twenty two for me was that you had these little arcs of people doing this. So you had Zane at the beginning, right? You had Cody right before Cody had like surgery and a huge amount of family stuff, mm-hmm. Cody looked like the number one player in the world. After that, you know, you really had a case for Amsa and Mango at various points. Both of them put in incredibly dominant performances at various points. Right now it's JMook. Um, so I really, you know, I think anybody can get there again. I think the dynamics are very interesting right now because Cody, Zane, and JMook are grinding really, really hard. And if Plup and Leffen aren't, Hungrybox right now is noticeably... It's, it's ult season for him. I noticed it's yeah. a collision. Most of the time, he was just hanging out with ultimate people, doing ultimate stuff. Wearing his little blazer. Ultimate. But wearing the blazer, putting it on the Cuban links, right? Like, he's definitely in, like, it's summit season. I think people understand it's a bit of an off season. I will say, though, given how much people are grinding, um, I actually thought JMook was going to have trouble before collision because JMook was a little bit less grindy than the other two. Mm-hmm. He just looks incredible. So, I, you know, I'll never count anybody out. On losers' runs, it's interesting. There was a stat that Blur always loved, which was the only player to win Super Smash Sundays in the time when it was round-robin into 24-man bracket. The only person to do that without getting that first round by for being first seen in the round-robin pools and win was Westballs. And it was because Westballs was the only one out of them who could conceivably like be second or third seed and not be playing completely dog shit that day. Yeah. Like, if, you know, if some of them were getting second that day, it was just a bad day for them. For him, it was like he just screwed around. And so I think people with more variability in their play and then the ability to go on streaks, they will succeed a little bit more. Whereas somebody like Zane was really a victim of his own success, even with extremely difficult brackets. I think about LSI main bracket, where something like the last, the, like the last sets that he had played versus almost everybody he played had beaten him the time before. But he managed to win, mm-hmm. you know, at LSI. So I think... In terms of losers runs that versus something else, you know, I think Zane ends up just being that guy that day, right? Whereas JMook and Cody are so close, I think, I don't know, I think any three of them could have wanted from losers. Probably some of the most impressive losers runs of 22 was Cody. If I think about how many times he would lose to somebody and then storm all the way back or like lose to Mango and then storm all the way back and lose to Mango. I think there are certain yeah. things that are predictors of making losers runs. One of them is having a really bad matchup versus somebody in the top. And I actually thought JMook would lose to Hungrybox early at a tournament and then beat everybody else through losers and dodge Hungrybox on the way back. I thought that's how it was going to happen. 
Yeah, it's possible. I don't know. We, we might be seeing that. I mean, speaking about Cody losers runs, we just saw it at uh, Genesis. He lost to Cody, or he lost to Moki in probably what winner's quarters, I'd imagine, and ended up uh, got second in the tournament. So this is, uh, you know, we've, we've definitely seen the resiliency of some of these players, even if it's not necessarily taking home the gold. And uh, yeah, I mean, the question is, the question that I ask is, can anyone catch J. Luke? And I, I think it's, I think it's a pretty obvious yes. And then it's the two people who are in that tier. Um, the question, the better question is probably, can anyone else get into that tier? And for the near future, I'm probably going to say no. Um, you know, I think that Mango is, is capable of playing amazing, right? You know, he's fucking like one of the best players going into Genesis. And I think that we've forgotten that and, and might be kind of playing that off. Plup did very well at Genesis, even if, you know, it was, it was like an underrated performance because he's not been lights out. Um, and it was not anything that like we haven't seen before from Plup. So I think it was a little underrated. Um, we haven't seen him. There's a possibility of seeing him. And then, yeah, whenever HBox wakes up from his slumber, we'll probably see him end up winning an event because he usually does that. But how I've been seeing it recently is that every event I go to, I see uh, four guys and they all play each other and they all hang out. And uh, it's kind of like Melee's little brat pack, right? This is this is the new era. And every single event I go to, if I see Cody, Moki's there, or J. Mook is there, or Zane is there, you know, anytime you see one of them, there's they're all around and they're always playing. When I did um, Smash World Tour, when I like TO'd that, uh, the the Smash World Tour Eastern Conference Finals, Eastern, what, East Coast? <laughs> <laughs> NBA brand, sorry. <laughs> the East Coast Finals were, um, you know, it was something where we had a ton of good players there and people like from MTV came to practice with people. Uh, regardless of what matchup they were going to play, I could probably flip a coin and, uh, you know that would determine if I were was going to see Zane playing Cody. No, you know, this doesn't matter if it was uh, Friday before the event started or Saturday or Sunday as bracket was going on. These two played every single moment that was possible. Um, and you go to events like this and you see the same thing. They are these people are, are like they're always hanging out and they're they're just grinders and they play each other all the time online, right? And, you know, there's Zane and Moki, whatever. Um, Zane and Cody play all the time. I know J Mook plays with them. And I have trouble seeing people be able to grasp that level. Even Moki, this this was being a top ten talent this past year. I'm not gonna call him the same level as that. But yeah, it's it's just it is something that is really, really paying off and you can tell. And until someone else is willing to put in that effort that they're putting in, I don't know if we see it. Ambi, what do you think? I think Hungry Box could do it. <laughs> I think that you're generally correct. I think people who play a lot get rewarded. I think Hungry Box could do it. I now, think Hungry Box needs to play a little bit more, and then he'll. What does do it fine. mean? Uh, catch Jmook. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Do you I think, think Hungry Box? Like, do you think yeah. he could be number one in the world? Because that's currently what Jmook is, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's total goat to say that he couldn't be number one in the world. He just beat Omsa like, and Jmook a bunch. And yeah, I mean, like, like Omsa looks super vulnerable. Um, True. Jmook is the best player, so all of his wins on Jmook are going to look super good until Jmook finally listens to me and goes Fox. Um, that would be insane. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm actually on Edwin's side. Edwin doesn't want it to happen because, uh, dude, I'm so right. 
I wanted to Why does everyone listen to me, dude? I'm going to be insufferable <laughs> when he finally does it. Going to be? What are you yeah, now? <laughs> uh, I'm already pretty insufferable about it. But If, if J-Mook just got blackout drunk and went Fox and beat Hungrybox, he would be, as someone on Twitter said, the white boy of the year. True. That would be insane. Hey, speaking, of, speaking of a blackout drunk, let's get Walt blackout drunk before he uh, commentates next time. I agree. I, I think we should do it. He unfortunately blushes really bad after he has like a mm, little yeah, bit. He, 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 we went to the bar beforehand. He got water. Yeah, that was. We'll that get was him good. one day. Man, four hours. I mean, that was that was a block. My life. Yeah. Movie. Can anyone catch Jmook? I think the biggest thing is going to be somebody outside of the top players, because all the top players hmm. keep giving themselves um, horrible illnesses by hanging out all the time and invading <laughs> diners. I don't know what they're up to. We you can tell um, you can tell everyone what we did. The night after top eight, like you and I, as opposed to everybody else, uh, we did not go to a, to a diner. <laughs> everybody else out. piles in to Ubers and goes yeah. thirty deep to this diner, which is then instantly shut down because like someone destroys the tip jar. It's not a smasher, maybe. And then they all have communicated some like norovirus disease to each other in the process. We and I have like a beer at the bar, and just have like a nice chill night. And we're fine. Yeah, well, I mean, what you didn't know is that I took my bottle of tequila and I went to June's house, uh, June's room. <laughs> well, and, you go to uh, June's room, it's all fine there. Yeah, it was all good. As long as uh, you're not June, uh, <laughs> yeah, June will get caveat, sick. Right? June still gets sick. June gets sick every time. Jorge said oh, yeah. um, he went to June's house. June got COVID. Jorge didn't get COVID. <laughs> June just, he, he sucks it all up. Like, he is a, it's very, very nice. It's like when I went to to fate and got covid and i was hanging out with like amsa and and, and nagaimo and i was like i ruined their trip they have covid they took like 28 hour flights to get here and no one got it everyone around me did not get covid so incredible yeah so i think, I think that's what's gonna happen they're they're all gonna poison each other and then i don't know like laud will have like two free hours or chef rock will have like a weekend that's free once and then just become the top player <laughs> Or Mango's been grinding super hard, and we just don't know about it. Well, if it takes if it takes norovirus to catch up to these three, then I think that they, uh, yeah, they're gonna PPMD. be pretty good for a while. It's gonna get them at some point. <laughs> PPMD is our number one player for 2023. Speaking of which, you got find no no norovirus on your end. Yeah, no, I'm great. I feel strong. We went out to the gym. We we lifted a bunch. We curled. We had a great time. Commentated for four hours. Um, Felt great. Went home. Went to work. It's kind of tired, but no. I mean, it, it, once you train every Wednesday like I do, with all sorts of substances and and ways of altering your brain state, the mindset can protect you from everything, and that's science. You know what they say? It's the mindset. Stats, after the melee stats, dude, dudes rock compound. Nothing can hurt me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we gotta make. We gotta get another round of that compound. Or, or build one in uh, in Wyoming, I think. My bench went up like 25 pounds after that. Dude, it's got magical powers, that power That's... rack in my basement. It was unreal down there. <laughs> That's what they call a power rack. It gives you powers. So that's, like, really my tips for, for you know, making sure you don't get sick. Um, it would just be really lucky, you know? Just just be blessed by God. Good that's career advice, say. too. Ah, yeah. yeah. I would, I would uh, say I would recommend it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, to, to circle back a little bit from God, <laughs> if you don't Jay mind, Mook. uh, yeah, speaking of my new God, 
no, sorry. That's not my bit. That's a, someone else runs that bit. That's uh, that's territory that's taken. He talked um, was in was just like in heaven that entire top eight. I could just hear him behind me, just losing all of his senses and mind. And I could hear him on stream. He was yeah. very loud. Yeah, he was. He, he was, was about, much louder than everyone else in the crowd. He was about eight feet away from my microphone. There was no way you weren't hearing him. It's a good time to be a J Mook fan. I think it, we all can amazing. agree on. Because regardless of of who ends up winning the tournament, I think it's hard to really count out J Mook from getting you know, to grand finals or Whitler losers finals or any of this, right? Like, you know, uh, what do we see? I think Zane got fifth at, um, Genesis losing to J Mook and losing to Cody. Um, J Mook's got, that was fifth. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he didn't win him losers. I don't think, I don't think so. Well, yeah. I think, I mean, the, the important part is that his only, uh, losses there, I think were, were J Mook and Cody. That's the true, other yeah. two people in this like new top three that we're, <laughs> we're talking about. Um, what were Cody's Cody's losses? You know, Cody lost to Mogi, the other person who I kind of mentioned, and uh, lost to J Mook. Here he lost to Zane and J Mook. Um, it's just like, you know, it's a it's a good time to be a fan of any of these people because uh, whatever, you know, whatever they're doing, it, it really feels hard to see them having a lot of trouble from from like any interlopers. You know, you, regardless of that one Moki set, it's just like they all seem so tough, and it really seems like they can only beat each other. Until Hbox plays J-Mook, I guess. <laughs> Slug will be back. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I do think that the sample size is a bit small. I think that, um, you know, Cody and Zane and J-Mook looking like they can only lose to some people. To me, that feels very similar to being like, well, Oms is going to lose to all these people now. Um, Didn't you which, say that? No, <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> try to try to gotcha you. No, you're gaslighting. Um, you know, like I, I just feel like uh, they don't look as vulnerable as the people that are losing. Um, but I don't think that they're like sorry, immune I... to those same losses. You know. You know, Amby, I don't think you get a core tenet of this podcast is overblowing stuff. Do you not remember when we? Uh, Zane won Genesis and Pound, and we were like, "Is this one of the best years of all time from a melee player?" Is Leffen going to? It's like Ashcon messaged me in like twenty, I forget which. But he's like, "Leffen's just going to get too good at the game, and we're all going to get bored of it because no one's ever going to be able to beat Leffen." <laughs> we do this every time, you know. Yeah, I, I do feel that way about Jay Mook once he goes. It's true though, but that would be so beast if that were true. Well, yeah, he's going to I, I, I think the idea of everyone quitting seems. Uh, yeah, it's a good segue to a, a topic that we can talk about. But uh, if there's anything that you guys want to talk about, about, you know, JMook or, or like this tier of players or anything at Collision, feel free before we go on to our next topic. I think I should get credit for uh, doing top eight of a super major. That's all. I didn't you do Wave Dash? Don't think it was that super. <laughs> no, I didn't actually do top eight of Wave Dash. You didn't do top eight of Wave Dash. Okay. I had to go so home. This is your first super major. Right, super. Wait, Wave Dash would have counted, and I would have gotten to commentate Jamie's first win of a, a super major. That's. Fair. I would have That's demanded fair. the set ended as soon as the forfeit occurred. I I tell you that much. Okay. Well, okay. How about this? You know, Ashcon said we're all gonna quit because Leffen's too good. Um, I saw another friend of mine who made a. Uh, uh, point about how we're all going to quit. Um, this uh, we, we generally don't get into Twitter discourse too much on this show, oh. um, or if we do, we're not very open about it. We were usually, uh, you know, are, are a little more um, on the down low. Uh, Tune into four side fights while, while we subtweet. Yeah, yeah, that's why we work so well together. But um, 
you know, uh, I think it was just yesterday, you know, this past week, Tafo tweets about how <laughs> the scene is, is never really going to be in a very good spot because every single TO is going to end up quitting. You know, it's only a certain time before um, everyone just gets t- fed up with the bullshit. And I think there's like a lot of interesting points here and a lot of points that I agree with and some that I disagree with. So, um, let's, uh, let's pull the tweet up and then we can, we can try, you know, basically just go on our feelings about it, go over our feelings, uh, because I think that it has a lot of implications on the scene. Uh, you know, especially after all that we've seen recently regarding BTS and, uh, and Panda and everything. Um, vamp more as i'm can we can we pull up tweets now jd pull up uh pull up boobs jd do not pull up boobs jd pull up lovage and silent wolf um combo videos please jd you can do that just don't pull up ambisinister versus ben tmt bracket (laughs) (laughs) it's a great set it's a great set so the the tafo tweet this is from yesterday uh and tafo says the scary part for the Smash scene is when most of the TOs start realizing they don't have to run events, and rightfully so. They will realize the stress, abuse, and burnout greatly outweigh the positives of helping the community. This will be the point of for no return. Now, Jake, you've been in the scene a little bit longer than we have. You've been someone who um, is, you know, I guess, working behind the scenes longer than we have. Um, I want to get your opinion on this, because... Yeah, this definitely is something that there's there's kernels of truth to it, but I want your opinion on uh, on the sentiment that's here, set here. Yeah, I mean it's kind of true, but you probably shouldn't say it. I mean this <laughs> scene this scene works off of incredible amounts of hopium and just love of the community, and we do know that you know this all exists because we don't pay people what they should make in an ideal world, right? I really think that probably the best thing to do um, with this sort of discourse so to speak is to just kind of engender a a situation where we're a little bit more cognizant of of making it more sustainable to reward the people who make this ecosystem possible i was complaining a little bit in the discord about like the notion like why do people not like top players complaining i think top players have a lot that they give to the scene i think they have a lot of good points when it comes to the schedule but i think what rubs some people the wrong way is it's like they have all these followers on social media but more than that they are paid to play the game they have sponsorships they have a stream they have partnerships like they're really the only ones making any money off of this and then it's like they're gonna go yell at nico who does not make any money off of this eats a a lot of shit on a lot of different levels right to try and make all this happen and i think it is true objectively that like you know if we don't change that then you know i think we might burn out all of our talent it's like the lorax you know something has to change it's not that we will be you know, there will be no trees. I think saying it like that is bad, but if we keep doing it like this, we might not have any more trees is, I think, a fair and base thing for the Lorax to say at the end mm. of the day. Um, you know, I think it was a little bit... I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not Maybe a shift of viewpoints, right? Yeah, I think I think it's important to just kind of stay optimistic about it because what the scene needs is scar levels of weapons grade, just hopium. That is, yeah, Scar loves Hopium. Um, and he should. People love I, I I think that, uh, yeah, there's... And, and Ambi, I know you probably got some thoughts on it, so we're going to get to you very soon. But um, I think you're right. 
I think that there's a lot of like pretty salient points here. It just feels like it is telling TOs to never get into the community rather than telling players to not abuse people, right? Right. That's that's the you can't be like all the trees are gonna burn down and you just let's all just kill ourselves right now. Like let's let's call it a day. Like the inevitability it, it it's like well, it's inevitable that players are gonna complain, so all the TOs are gonna quit, as opposed to like Hey, I think we could change this. <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe none of you like, uh, you know, like it's a, it's a touchy subject because, like, you know, you talk about complaints, uh, and they naturally lead into what you talked about, which is like players who actually make money on the game complain to people who don't. Uh, and I don't know if that'll really change. That's a that's a no. really tough thing. Yeah. Like your your tos are never gonna be uh, making as much money as the players do. Um, fuck, man. I I mean like. The people who, like anyone who commented or like anyone who did like a reaction to the to the top ten or the top one hundred, made more money off it than I did. So, so it's like very clear that the power play is in like a specific favor here. But yeah, I think, I think that like the the actionable things is that like the idea of uh, stress, abuse, and and burnout are seem to be avoidable topics, right? And that's that's something that they will come with being a community figure, just because that's that's how our community runs there's a beautiful thing about the community is that we could run everything without having to like you know write a letter to nintendo and have to be approved to, to do all that anymore um but there's a you know having the ability to to do that in your within your grasp does lead to a lot of stress as well what do you think Andy? yeah i mean i have a lot of thoughts on this particular topic um and you can feel free to cut me off at any point because i might just ramble if uh, um, if we hit the hour mark, I'll cut you off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing that I think is important to keep in mind is that um, you know we we've all experienced this type of burnout, right? Like this is something that's very familiar to pretty much anyone who does any community facing stuff in the community. Um, you know, not just like we're a bunch of spectators that don't know what we're talking about. Like, we've felt this burnout firsthand. So I, I feel like we can speak with a little bit of authority here. Um, one thing that comes to mind for me is, like, YouTube comments for our videos. And if you, like, super abstract away the fact that, like, these top players have, like, huge followings and it's really annoying when they complain about your thing, um, you know, if you make something in the community... Um, and like, you know, it goes semi-viral or whatever, you get a bunch of people that look at it. And like, you look at the comments, the comments are usually people like positively engaging with your shit. Like people like other people in the community. Like it's a community full of people that like appreciate the work of other people. Cause like, we all know that it's like emergent, that it's like this thing that like just people do cause they feel like it's not like it's our jobs for the most part. Um, and like, you can look at YouTube comments and find some deranged, nasty shit in there. Right, like some of the, the, the most insane things I've ever read in the comments of our videos. Um, but to me, I think that uh, there's a certain degree to which focusing on the complaints is like this thing that is rewarded from like algorithmic social media platforms, right? Because yeah. the problem is like, you know, some top player complains about the schedule and like says that you're doing a bad job, right? And like, you're gonna get that in your feed as a TO. Like that's going to appear in front of you. And like people will send it to you if it doesn't. Um, they're not gonna send you like 
every top player that isn't complaining being like, I had a pretty good weekend. You know what I mean? Like, that's just like, that's not rewarded in like the war of social media attention, right? So I, I think one thing that is helpful to remember is that the majority of people are not abusive to other people in the community, right? And I think that's like important to keep in perspective where like, yeah, sure, some people are entitled, some people are really annoying, um, but we do like each other. And like you get pretty much any person in the community that like does this a lot, that's like around, is competing or TOing or whatever, like it's very rare that you can't get them to like some sort of common ground, like not through the trenches of the internet, right? I, I really think this is an issue that's super, super boosted by like negative social media tendencies. So that's my first point where I think that like we all actually love each other, <laughs> we just don't know it. Um, the second is that I think it's okay for TOs to not be interested in the game anymore and I think it's normal to assume that other TOs will will come and appear and, and fill the gaps that are left by them. Because the analogy that I want to make here is, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like a speed cubing tournaments, like the Rubik's Cube speed solving tournaments, right? Like you go to those things and it's like children, like literal children, like seven-year-olds that are like going crazy and doing like sub 10 F2L or whatever. Um, and it's like, okay, well, like if you're involved with this, and you're 23, you are much older than everyone. And that's weird. And like, you want to know what's annoying to people that are 23? People that are seven. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good God. I think it's, it's very normal for like people to age out of communities that they are older than. Um, and I think that like, this shouldn't be framed as like, like attrition. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like, oh my God, like the TOs are getting old. Someday we will all die. <laughs> um, like, okay, like, a young person will become your age now and then be like, oh, well, you can just do things in this community. And that's really cool. And like, maybe I can run a tournament and maybe JMook and Mango will play at it. Um, like, that's really cool about our community. And I think that's great. And um, I think if you don't want a TO anymore, because like these gremlins in your mentions that are much younger than you and are super annoying or like too much and the reward isn't that high, like, that's great. Like you had a great career. We all appreciated you. Um, please come to the tournament every now and then and say hello. Like, go off into your new hobby as an adult. Like I think it's perfectly fine, right? Like I think that it's not like cause for alarm that people want to do different things than melee. Like there's a big world mm -hmm. out there with many things to do. So I will well, cut myself there. <laughs> a, lot of, well, a lot of things. I think we're very blessed in that respect because, like, and I I have a lot of respect for some of the people i meet in ultimate you, you know what i'm talking about but um you know at the end of the day if that were like my scene or my game i think it would really freak me out because a lot of the people are very very young and i just don't relate to them in the same way and my competitive drive to you know play this game for three or four hours a day is just not there right now at all or even like my interest in competing and so it really is kind of like a social aspect and also like creating things for the scene and doing things and telling stories and i think we've gotten very lucky with Melee that we've basically all just kind of aged together. And I was at this mm -hmm. kind of sweet spot where I was in college when a lot of the people who were getting into the game were in college from TMG. And then we've all kind of like aged. And at this point, it's like, you know, there are younger people, right? And they find things fun that I don't find fun. But it's totally acceptable to just like, you know, sit at the bar and hang out with Wheat, you know? And not, you know, go hang out with Touchdown Juan at the diner, right? Scurs us there. Scarzo's there. Scarzo's, you know, seven beers three, you know, seven beers deep. It's 
it's yeah. a pretty good couple tie. lemon drops and i think i think it manifests in a couple ways and you know i think the community is really matured in a lot of ways and i think if i felt like that weren't happening i think it would make some of the tough social issues just just completely incomprehensibly miserable to deal with right mm-hmm. um and so like we're, we're very lucky in that respect but yeah i mean like i think it's fine to have you know on phases and off phases i mean you know like Blur yeah. and Taffo are definitely on off phases right now, and I think that's fine. And if they want to come back in, that's good too. But they also ate a lot of shit for the scene, and like, yeah, you know, we, we don't ne- necessarily need to expect an on phase coming from them. I think that's one of the things. Right. Uh, it's interesting talking to TOs, especially regional TOs. I feel like this is a, a very prevalent thing. Is that like you'll talk to someone and they kind of understand um, the the kind of way that these things go. That there's like. I got finality to it in, in a sense. Um, and a lot of this comes from colleges, I think. You know, a lot of the people who I talk to um, who are, like, known as TOs of, of, like, their regional scene are, like, the TOs of their college scene. And then, you know, what happens in college is, well, you tend to graduate. It could be like me. <laughs> Not. <Hey. laughs> but, uh, but like, you, you know, you've got, like, a very, um, like, a... Uh, like a set time period where you're like, okay, well, I'm a sophomore now, so I guess I'll be the president of this club for the next few years. But when I graduate, I won't be here. And, uh, you know, people tend to like make their mark and, and like get um, successors. I know that like, this is a pretty common thing in a lot of areas is that like people will, will try to, uh, you know, take a, a person like a, another TO and, and, you know, give them the, the resources they need. So it's definitely something that exists, but, um, if I could go back to your first point, Ambi, get a question for for each of you. Um, you. You talk about how, because of social media, we're like really rearing to go whenever there's like negative complaints because you know it's just like naturally how it is. Um, I guess you know we're I don't know what are we fucking content creators, commentators. We're to describe what figures. Sure. I don't know what we are, but we are we are public figures in the scene. We make things. Um, and uh, obviously, we are subject to comments and criticisms. But one of the things that me personally uh, has always affected me is it's not that the negative comments get boosted more. It's just that my dumbass brain oh, will care about yeah. the one negative comment more than the 10 positive comments. So I don't even know if it's a social media thing or if it's just social media has now given the opportunity to well, feed into this like very you know, It is a little bit of both, thing. I think, right? Like, it's, it's both, like... The, the, the social media platforms that we use, I think, really boost negativity. And I also think it's, like, the way that we all engage with social media. Like, that's, like, a completely separate but also, like, equally valid thing where, like, people being nasty to you is so much more memorable than people, yeah. like, being grateful. But, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I mean, I, I think you're right here, and I don't know why I'm interjecting the way I am. Sorry. But like, (laughs) this is a thing that like is demonstrated about humans. And it's something that actually always made sense to me, whether that's depressing or not. I mean, they run these experiments on kids, like, you know, toddlers, babies, they react more quickly and more evocatively to an angry face than a happy face. And part of the reason is because like, if somebody says like, Hey, good job, you know, like, that's cool. I think about that. I still remember that. I still remember when people say nice things to me at tournaments and that sort of thing. Right. Um, But the, but the bad stuff, that makes me think like, oh, there's a threat here. Like, that's something I got to pay attention to. Like, if we, you know, as humans grew up ignoring that, we probably wouldn't have evolutionarily to survive to get to this point. So I get it. I wish social media did not, you know, amplify it. And I think it's something that's, you know, 
incumbent upon us to just really try and focus a little bit more on and wire ourselves in ways to to be a little bit healthier about like everyone not hating me or something like that and i think it's also fun like you know i I think i have this experience too where like i'll go to a tournament and i'll have a great time but like the stream will be a little bit funny and people will be very upset and this gets you know a lot of complaints because it's like there's something going on that we need to fix and we need to address this and people aren't talking about this and i feel like we need to we need to boost them and that sort of thing right um and and yeah and then when you're at the event you're like no it was fine it was good and and part of it's still like you know i'm not sure if the event was really meant to be the best version of the event as a broadcast mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's a little bit interesting underrated. yeah it's it's definitely interesting um i mean i, I don't know maybe it's a personal issue whenever someone says good job i I'm like, was it? <laughs> uh, and, and when they like levy criticism, I tend to be like, yeah, you're no, you're right. Um, and even if oh, I yeah. don't levy criticism, I I try to be very self aware, and my brain literally cannot get rid of mistakes that I've made from from years ago, from from my entire life, let alone melee, dude. I still remember. Uh, I think it was one of the smash and splashes. I seated shroomed way too high, and I was like, why did I do that? Why do I still think about that? <laughs> um, oh, but uh, no, six I, pools, top four, make it out. <laughs> I just fucked the bracket. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that, that it'll always stick in your mind. But I, yeah, maybe it, it's interesting because there is a difference between, you know, we, we talk about social media, and I, I said, well, is this something that is like inherent and will always exist, and it's just amplified by social media? Uh, and and I think you're right when you said it was a little bit of both, right? This this stuff will always exist. People will always have complaints. People will always have um, compliments. But if I think of all the work that I've done in the scene, keep in mind that, you know, good amount of this work probably was in the pandemic. You know, maybe that affects it. But the compliments that I got all were in person uh, or you know, the, the ones that I remember, at least, I guess. And the, the criticism I got tends to all be online. I, I definitely think one of the aspects is that, like, it's so easy when when you can hide behind your, your little username um, or when you're not even talking to someone, even if you're you know, someone who's notable and these things will follow you. It's definitely easier to like tweet at an event and say, this is like the shittiest thing I've ever been to because, you know, if you probably go up to the TO and say that you might not actually feel that way once you, you know, once your mouth opens to start saying that, um, Abby, we, we kind of cut you off, but, uh, I'm I'm sure you had a great point. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, the thing that I think the way that I would describe this, um, most saliently, um, is that I really don't think we have a gratitude problem in Melee. I think that's the way this conversation is usually framed um, because it's probably the way everybody feels. And I think that's true of not just TOs, right? Like, I think that's probably true of top players. I think that's true of us. I think that's true of, like, like doing anything in the community will make you feel like no one cares, no one appreciates you. Uh, all you do is engage with all this awful stuff that people send you. And I do think it's it's a lot because of like what you're mentioning about like the human tendency to overfocus on criticism and nasty comments and like the like the filtration of all the positive stuff. I think what really needs to happen to like fix this problem is less that like we need to, you know, stop criticizing or what have you. I think the the bigger problem is that we don't make people feel good <laughs> enough when we complain when we compliment them right like i think that's the the bigger issue it's not really that like people don't like tos enough it's that like the to doesn't feel appreciated enough that we like them 
Um, and that needs to be better communicated to them. And like, you know, the same for top players. Like, it's so easy to be a top player, I think, and to, to lose and to like tweet like, I am sad that I lost. And to see like the three people that are like in every single thread that are like, you should die. You don't deserve to play this game. You should quit forever. I hate you. And like that guy just exists in your mind permanently, right? But like, you know, you look at any player and like they have thousands of followers, they have all these fans, like, you know, like everyone admires them except for like the three people that are like flaming them in every single post loss tweet. And I, I really do think that the problem here is more that we need to make people feel that they are appreciated as much as they are rather than like there's too much criticism in the community. I think that that's, that's a impossible problem to fix compared to the former one which is like a lot more attractable to me personally i don't know what you guys think about that though well when i when i used to work retail i had people come up to me because i was customer service and i had people come up to me and they would very very rarely give compliments and then every time they would basically say like yeah i think about all the people who complain and i think about how all the people don't give compliments so they go out of their way to do so and that's a like a Thing that people don't tend to do if you're happy and you're content you don't like sing it to the masses but if you're mad you go like this is bullshit can you believe that they did this to me mm -hmm. um so yeah, i agree and and it, it the the issue to this is saying well you can't have any criticism right because like, that's not how this works if someone yeah. if a tournament runs like shit not that collision did this is the collision episode but if like a hypothetical tournament runs like shit people are allowed to say it because there's no way that we can succeed as a community if we have to bid and grad, bid, uh, grin and bear it and act like every single aspect of it's perfect um but you're right i mean there could be more positive stuff and something that i think we're working towards is trying to make the criticism actually be actionable and something that we can work towards without having to dig through twitter i know people tend to get really annoyed when the way that you find out some top player has a criticism is by f logging on to twitter <laughs> like Seeing. and but especially yeah. like you, if you I can't just super super quickly yeah. right like just to super super quickly interject um there actually is like psych research on like this sort of thing where you know like people always talk about like oh well um Criticism needs to be constructive. Constructive criticism is like a good thing. Constructive criticism will like help you or whatever. Um, like if you want people to perform in a specific way, it is like four times more effective to positively reinforce them. Um, like to point at something that they're doing well and being like, you need to be doing that more because it was good. Um, and I think there's not enough of that. I think that's sort of what I'm trying to get at here where it's it's not really that like, I think even if we made all the criticism from all the top players, like, super, super actionable, right? Like, oh, it's all constructive criticism. None of it is flaming. It's all constructive criticism. It would still feel pretty bad, I think, for the TOs. Like, they would get all of it. They would be, like, confronted with this list of things that they did incorrectly. Um, and I think more what I'm trying to get across is that, like, we need to make them feel like they're doing something well so that they'll do it more because it's appreciated, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is slightly different. There's like a, a little nuance there where uh, the actionability is like good and it's important, but like criticism is almost the wrong word for what I think we should be aiming towards, like kind of as a community where reinforcing people positively is something that is like very rarely like pushed forward 
in like the discourse, right? Like it's all about like what did people not like? What did people mm-hmm. complain about? And uh, yeah, that's like an issue, you know. Do we need shout out threads again? <laughs> Hurt, I think. <laughs> Jake, uh, you are in a Discord server. I don't think this I'm is in, a leak a to say. Yeah. Where uh, the the idea is to link players with. Yeah. TOs. Okay, that one. So is, this, is this something we can talk about? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. That one's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm in it. So if, if someone said that it's being leaked, uh, say, I don't say it's know for why me. I'm in there. <laughs> if you make shit, you get you get in. No one, <laughs> you're like, hey, I created this. I get to be here. That's no, true. Um, I thought making it was a mistake. I thought t- <laughs> I thought players would realize they had too much power. I'm kidding. Well, Go we ahead. have we've got an interesting thing. There's a Discord where top players exist and have the ability to talk to top TOs. And um, I think uh, you know, an example that I can use and involve myself was when Redemption Rumble was happening. And I was like, this is not counting for um, 2022. Because you told people, players it wouldn't. And they kind of, you know. Well, I said it wasn't counting for 2022. Okay. Uh, people were mad that it was not counting. Like Reddit was mad. Uh, and then players were mad that it was counting for 2023. Um, just like how Smash Camp does and whatever. Because they were told uh, it wouldn't be counting at all, and that was kind of the way... That I don't think that was what happened. I, I think that the actual... It was, was It's not counting for 2022. I don't think that there was any... Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Yeah, I mean, you uh, know, we're, we're arguing the little thing here. But there was... Yeah, there was definitely some... You're right. There was it Lost in Translation was the fact that players believed this wasn't counting at all. Um when the intent was that it was not counting for that year and would count for the next year. So when, when this was something that I tweeted out, um, I know Moki and I know Cody had some issues with it. Uh, and after a little adding <laughs> a couple, a couple tags. Uh, but yeah, we, we talked about this in the, uh, in the server and was, I was very happy with how it ended up. Um, you know, they, I think Moki even like tweeted that he was sorry that it even like came off. Like he was, you know, criticizing the top 100. I like, it was just one of the, one of the experiences that I don't really get a lot in melee, which is just like heated on Twitter. And then, you know, take, take to the discord. I think that discord makes me like Moki a lot more because he's extremely reasonable in there. Um, I think it's also good to kind of build that reflex for top players to just be like, Hey, look, here are people that can fix this and we'll listen to you other than, and I mean, this is the issue because our top players are very popular, which is great. They have massive social media followings, which is, you know, good, but eventually ends up being a form of very mild stochastic terrorism when they phrase things a certain way towards a TO who has 800 followers and a day job and, you know, like a home that they don't want people to blow up. Yeah. And so it's it's a little bit like, ah, you know, I, I think it's reasonable to complain and to, you know, bring things to light. But, you know, if you really do want things to change and just having a situation where people can listen to you, again, that's that's a reason that Twitter is a little bit rough for it. Because, like, mm-hmm. I've seen, like, you know, there was a situation with a player that happened recently where they tweeted some or and said some pretty, like, not chill stuff, right? And yeah. through back channels, you figure out there's some sort of psychotic break going on. It still doesn't make it okay. And they're still, you know, they're still going to ride the bench for a bit. There's going to be a ban. But probably the best thing to do is to, you know, get family involved, get this... You know, not necessarily off the internet to hide the bad things, but, like, someone is doing very badly right now. It is probably good to just, like, get them resources. And then a top player who said something that I think was very nice and and positive 
brought a lot more attention to it mm-hmm. in a way that like was very disjointed and then resulted in some like people being very reasonably mad at that player who was saying those things, right? But I think it, it made things a lot worse. And I don't think that was really the intention. So I'm always I'm always a favor of any form of communication like that. And what I think is good, the reason I bring up this Discord is because it was used this past weekend. It was used by, um, I don't know, I saw, (laughs) well, I I saw, well, we don't need to blow up a spot, but yeah, (laughs) Uh, I saw like four or five different top players use this specifically to talk about how they felt about Collision and how they felt about the schedule. I mean, I don't know. Oh, super productive. There's a bunch of top players. RJ came in here and gave like a a seven paragraph answer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and and this is, we kind of had like a microcosm of this when Tafo tweeted this very thing that got us talking was we, we talked about it in the Melee Stats Discord and we're, you know, able to articulate feelings better. Oh, wow. Um, And I, I think that one of the things that we learned from this Discord is that there are ways to talk to people that are not telling your 50,000 followers that, like, you know, everything is shit. It's very hard to... because of this person. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's very very hard to uh, not start a witch hunt when you have only, what, 280 characters? Did Elon up it to more? How many do we have I hope not. Elon's woke algorithm will never win. (laughs) I want to add two things really quickly. One is that I think some top players actually caught heat from everyone for being the complainer when like mm. other top players would tell them to be the one to complain. <laughs> I think this is actually some of the story behind Leffen, honestly, sometimes. I, I, yeah. The other I remember thing Mango I, would always tweet that he was like, uh, yeah. anything that was wrong, he was like, he'd, at Leffen or whatever, and he'd be like, complain for us. <laughs> exactly, and I think it's partly a meme, but also partly not. The second thing here, which is interesting, is I'm reading it from today, where like a top player who is a very popular top player said, I think it's a good idea to add the specific top players who like complain publicly without really listening or directly message them and tell them to post here instead next time. I think they need to be called out. So it stops being a repeating pattern behavior. It'll take time, but this discord is clearly an improvement from before three of them um, who are at the event came here throughout the weekend to talk about the schedule instead of shouting on Twitter. And I'd say it was a huge improvement. The top players who still don't come here and complain on Twitter, I think just need to be directly spoken to because there's a resource here that works. I think that's great. Yeah. And the fact that it's the player who's saying that it's 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 a top player rather than like a to right? Um, no, I, I I think that the takeaway from this is that these are not inevitabilities. You know, people will burn out because when you <laughs> melee is an all you can eat buffet, right? No one's telling you to stop. There's no like bigger figure who runs stuff like a riot or a Capcom who will stop you from running anything you want. It's going to happen. Well, I um, really have not been reading this discord. They're like, can we get a formal off season? There's a lot going on. There's I don't a lot to... going on here. Uh, they're, they're, it, it, oh no. We're like actually on a pretty good pace to end this episode without, you know, um, <laughs> like really going over. So it's watch right. what you say. I don't want to add anything extra. Okay, in. Okay, okay, okay. But, uh, but yeah, how I view this is that, you know, I think Tafo has a lot of good points, but the inevitability of all of this doesn't really need to exist, right? We don't need to act as if um, burnout and stress and, and abuse need to be parts of running anything, right? Um, and it's always going to happen. You know, when, when you want to do something, people are going to be mad. Uh, so the, the people who make, like, AI videos making fun of you so it's gonna happen but you you kind of gotta focus uh, on the watch. the <laughs> you have to focus on the um 
the people who complain who you can actually have a conversation with. And, and I think that the top players are very, or, you know, they're, they're actually doing that uh, in melee at least. And, and I would suggest if you are in another game and you're, you want to do this, I think that, you know, it, it takes a little bit and you take some strong army and it takes some persistence to make sure people do it. But having conversations with these players, like it, it's mutually beneficial. People will understand that like being able to talk to a TO instead of, you know, get, being on Twitter and then having that, having the TO have to be on their back foot the entire time. Um, it leads to better understanding. And, uh, you know, we will still live with the issues that the tweet brings up, right? People will still get burned out. People will still age out. Uh, this is not even talking about the money aspect of it. <laughs> like there's, there's a lot here that we, we obviously did not directly mention. Um, but I, I I do think that in terms of complaints, there's there's a better method that we that we're working on, and I'm glad to see that the players are actually doing it, and and I hope to see the scene, you know, kind of uh, hopefully change a little bit in that in that direction. I'm liking the change I'm seeing right now, and I hope to see it continue. Um, any last thoughts on this? Because we are kind of we're getting close to the end. You know, this is a I think an episode that I've been really enjoying, but we're probably nearing the the question section. So unless you guys have anything you want to say, we can uh, get to the patron questions. I will just, you know, dump one, one last comment in. Please do. Which is that uh, doing stuff for the community fucking rocks. I think that <laughs> people need to know that that's like, that's why people do it. <laughs> Like, a, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of conversation, especially like around this sort of topic or like when it comes to like people being appreciated or volunteering or whatever that like people volunteering for the community is bad because they're not mm -hmm. getting paid. Um, and I think there are like two independent things here, right? Like the first is that like people who do work should get compensated for the work that they do. And like, that's true. Like, but like, that's like a greater problem with capitalism, <laughs> right? Like that's not like a... Uh, necessarily fundamental thing to the community like the thing is with our scene is that volunteering is very very fun and like doing things for the community like introduces you to all these super awesome people and like it's very gratifying and like you make a tangible difference in a community that you care about and that rules that's really cool and um i just want to like really hammer that to people that like maybe don't necessarily understand that like oh why would you ever be a to why would you be a to if yeah. like, people are going to be mean to you and it's like okay well yeah people are going to be mean to you that fucking sucks but like doing the thing is really cool like that's why people do it people do it because it's awesome and um as long as it is awesome people will do it um, i yeah i mean it's, it's tafos tafos tweet there was a someone who replied and they said something about like, oh, well, you know, what's going to happen is people aren't even going to want a T.O. because everyone knows it sucks. I'm thinking like, no, it's because we're talking about it like this. It's like if you frame it as like this horrible thing that no one wants to do, then people will not want to go into it. But yeah, I mean, I cannot say I may have T.O.'d a lot. <laughs> I wouldn't say that that's something. But it, 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 the ones that I've done have been very rewarding. And the other aspects of the scene that I've given to have been very rewarding. Um, and yeah, I think that you're right. When I when I saw Tafo's uh, tweet, one of the things that really got me riled up was just how dour and how doomer it was. 
because there's so much joy that's involved in making something for the community. And it shouldn't just be seen as this thing that people have to do and will, you know, get bullied out of the scene for. Um, and it's one of those things, like, uh, you know, I mentioned this uh, in the discussion, the Discord we had about it at the time, but I don't want people to view everything I'm doing with a shot clock above my head. Like, what the stuff that I'm doing right now, I, I, I love doing. You know, I love doing the top 100 or whatever else I do. I don't know. <laughs> Flying players out to stuff. Or do we still do that? Who knows? Um, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> keep, yeah, keep your eye out. Um, no, Powell, please lower the interest rates. We need this. We need this bad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that, like, we have talked about this so much in Melee Stats where we will we will just be like, it was so awesome when this happened, right? You know, if it's like uh, our videos go out, when um, feels so like a knot in my stomach, and then you like, it's such a weird feeling because it's so gratifying as well. And then when we when we have players at stuff, like honestly, some of the most like above the moon I've ever been is when we reach out to a player for the first time, and they're just like so giddy. Like there's there's all these things when you give to the community that make you feel really good. And this stuff is cool. I think you're right. And if we talk about TOing like it sucks, well, yeah, people are going to think it sucks. And, and and obviously, maybe it's wrong to connect TOing to content creation or whatever. You know, there's very different things. But, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, they're, they're, behavior makes you happy. Yeah. Yep. Doing, doing stuff rules. I mean, I saw somebody who was at the tournaments that I TOed. Like, I think I TOed their first tournament. I think I TOed their first Arcadian. And they were here, and they beat Bats and Foxy Grandpa and made top 32. And it's like, rocks. That the, you know, that's dope. Yeah. It's just cool to see, no. right? It's it's such a... I mean, we talk about the community up all the time, right? We talk it up. Uh, and there's a reason why we're still here. And it's it's it'd be nice if the reasons why we leave were minimized. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. If we focus on the reasons why we're here as much as we focus on the reasons why we want to leave... Maybe it'd be a little different overall. Yeah, um, it's like, just run a pool. That shit rules. <laughs> you know? Yeah, go go do something. If you're listening to this and you think that's, uh, you know... It makes you feel better about your life, for sure. You know, you can point to something and say, I did that. Go, it's yeah. rare these days. Speaking of doing something, mm-hmm. um, we've got some questions for you. So, we've got a question about um, doing a very specific thing. Uh, and this is from... Oh, no. <laughs> This is from, uh, I think we call him uh, Question Superstar. Um, Zdreo. I know Seal's a content su- or a Question Superstar, but he got on our case about not giving enough time to create a good question. So, well, apologize. Apologize to Seal. <laughs> we don't give him enough time. Well, yeah, and then we say that they write shitty questions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, hey, maybe we're the problem here. <laughs> no. no, okay, okay, let's, let's dial it back. Says says Drio, question superstar asks, which of the five gods would play the best on cocaine? Oh, well, I I want to clarify here. This is so easy. Are we under don't the assumption that they don't? I'm oh, sorry, Amy, go ahead. I'm, I'm saying this is so easy. You better not mess this one up. I know. <laughs> very like, clear are we under the assumption that they're not on cocaine right now? Assume yeah. Assume that's not the case, or that's assume that's one. the case that they are not on cocaine. Touchdown one instantly. Yeah. Not, we, even, uh, not even a question. 
Yeah, there's a good drug... question, but not a question. He's just not taking those drug tests we keep giving him. <laughs> he keeps he keeps giving us Kingu's piss. <laughs> well, I mean that's uh, well that's, that comes that's back yeah. he, filled with stuff. Smoked American weed. He saw all the presidents behind him like the Avatar while he played. I think <laughs> I think Kingu's piss was purple. Yeah, he was definitely appreciating freedom in America. <laughs> well. He had some thoughts on America. Still good questions, Edgar. And India, for that matter. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> touched, <Never. touched. laughs> he was really not a fan of RRR, but for not the reasons you would expect or think. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, that is a great answer, though. I think uh, I think Touchdown One is uh, it's it's the definitely the, the answer that sounds the most correct, even. You know, uh, hey, I like the idea of Mewtwo King on cocaine. What would that look like? Uh, all right, yeah. Well, let's hit it to the next question. Next question. Uh, I got one here from uh, Algebra123230, which uh, I'm sure will be a, a big hit. So uh, what about crypto-funded tournaments? Huh? Is, that, is that a yes? Is that a no? What's your perspective? Oh, it really depends on what the ask is. If they understand that we think that they are idiots and suckers and we will take their money and spend it on drugs, yeah, all right. And, you know, maybe they think they're smarter than me and they'll get some people into crypto. I don't know. I mean, it. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I don't know. We're doing this. We had fresh cuts, which I had understood was an adult circumcision thing, but I think it's an <laughs> NFT marketplace, isn't it? Right. And a bunch of people complained right afterwards and said, "Hey, these guys are stealing all my stuff. Um, you know, they're taking all my clips and just uploading them to their their thing and doing this. Like we're already there. I think you know. And I've answered this somewhat before." The reason I think it's okay is because we as a community are very, very skeptical of this sort of thing. And sure. I know Taffo and I disagree on this, right? I am not a crypto maximalist. I, I really am not. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the prospect of uh, it's your money, boss, is, is something that uh, I think is okay. And I think we should draft Ultimate Smashers. I've been saying this a lot. Why not? Yeah. They need something to do. They're, they all quit the game at 17 anyway. I mean, Steve's banned now. You might as well pilot some drones, buddy. True. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we talked about this uh, after Top 8 at the bar, which was... Uh, it's funny because some, sometimes the idea of your company not... Or your sponsor not existing in six months is a feature, not a bug. It's actually a huge good thing because... Yeah. yeah then I don't have to deal with all the damage that they're maybe doing. Yeah. You know. Hey, maybe you take a lot of money from a VC and maybe they just right after they pay you. Right. Or, you know, the ideal is the right <laughs> after they pay you and not like the the mango crypto blockchain extravaganza. Well, yeah, that's that's trying to find the perfect medium, right? I think that's the issue with crypto is uh, they're going to explode at some point. Do they pay you before you they do? got locked down that net 30. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Well, um, we've got a, a last question here. This is uh, from Curly, Curly W. So Mario asks... As it is impossible to be both a commentator and a TO, which side will you be on in the inevitable death war? It's commentator. I don't want it to be. But at this point, I'm just... I, I've done more commentary than I've TO'd, especially recently. Ah. Yeah. If we, it sweetens yeah. the deal, I think I'm also team commentary. I think I'm team so commentary... Be because I get to I get to fight with Jorge. I could not shoot Jorge. I couldn't do it. I couldn't shoot Jack. I could shoot Mikey because he's robbed me many times. The vote was very unfair on four side fights. Um, and I think that's no good. And um, 
I think it'd be fun to try and lace Walt with drugs. I've been trying to do that a bunch, and I don't yeah, know which yeah. side Dark Gen X lies on, um, or Touchdown One. So those are those are uh, two I wonder powerful if there's a player, enemies. If there's a player aspect to this, or if it's binary commentator or TO. commentary or TO, yeah, you know, because this players is, are like a mercenary group. <laughs> I think you should always root against the commentators because if you're only a commentator, unless you're like really like you know you know, encapsulating the scene and telling stories and doing things that are really important, right? Or creating content that helps people. Like, what are we really doing, right? Like, we are, as John Boyce said, you know, Keynesian fools doing make work while people compete or, you know, actually build things in front of us. Though I will say, um, Stude's on our side, which um, Zedra pointed out, so we're winning. That's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I will say, I... After recent news about BTS collapsing, you look at what the TOs say and you look at what the commentators say. I think I'm going TOs on that side. I saw a lot of. Yeah. I really thought I would commentate this uh, oh, while okay. people yeah, lost I their shoot jobs. Every single person, <laughs> and I and I love them, but I shoot them for this. Every single person who saw BTS fail and say the worst part about this is that I did not get to commentate <laughs> something because I was next up, baby. I was next up. I was next up the whole time, kidnapping the executive producer's dog. You think you could beat that? You think you were going to smash someone at 15? Not a chance. What was that? I didn't hear anything. Nah. All right. Where were we talking about? Baseball or something? Well, I, you know, I, I think we're talking about a similar subject. Baseball has grass, and uh, we're talking about... Um, Does it these days? Our, we're talking about our uh, famously unnamed segment known to the fans as Touching Grass. Now, uh, I was watching Top 8 with Seal, and Seal was like, Tommy, it was right when Junebug said multifaceted. He's like, he said it! <laughs> so, uh, I guess it's the touching grass word. So, uh, you know, we are multifaceted human beings capable of, of having various interests. Um, so, touching grass is where we talk about something that's been going on in our lives that is not melee related. And I will go first. I mentioned this to Chroma this past weekend, but... Uh, it is hater central in the NBA. I'm yeah. a hater. I am an NBA fan. Let's um, go. There's Flame Wars. Dude, I was on NBA Reddit. I commented. I've commented on Reddit forever. <laughs> I got in on it. It was so fun. Uh, there's a couple MVP candidates. One who uh, was presumed to be the runaway favorite, who is um, kind of getting destroyed on defense, and his team's been losing. And there's another who uh, has been perennial runner-up, who... Has been doing a little better, and uh, his team's been winning. And there's been a lot of, of uh, a lot of posting from people who don't have any skin in the game just to make people mad. So I love that. But um, maybe I, I use for touching grass this time. I use a little more of a positive thing. So this past week, I went to uh, to Quizzo for the first time in forever. The uh, you know bar trivia. I used to go all the time, in like 2019, 2018, pre-pandemic stuff. Um, and just kind of fell out of it, you know, because of a global pandemic. And uh, took a while to get back into it, but my friend hit me up, and he got a little group together. So we went to do bar trivia. Uh, we were in third place the entire time, which is not bad for a, uh, a first-time experience. Um, I think I answered all the questions and not my friends. Uh, and then we, uh, we overthought it. Um, we got the... We, bet zero for the last one because we'd assumed that the last question was really hard and we got it right and everyone else got it right so we did not take home anything um also i will say 
They were wrong. They like said a lot of wrong things. They said the first submarine was invented in the late eighteen hundred or like eighteen eighties. That's yeah. not true. Yeah, it was uh, they said that Ireland was the first pla- the first country to legalize gay marriage. That's not true. That's like not actually, almost exactly wrong. I I so I I lost. Okay, you could say I lost, but like I, I come on. How am I supposed to win? And they just fake answers. So that's my. Sorry, I said it was very positive, and then I just started to get very mad. Maybe I had more fun being a hater on uh, on NBA Reddit. <laughs> um, Joel Embiid, 36 points and 18 rebounds, along with four blocks tonight. Also one of the worst passes I've ever seen, but we take home the dub. Um, what about you, Abby? What's been going on on your end? Uh, yeah, so uh, having moved to this apartment with almost no furniture... Um, <laughs> There's a no car. Uh, there's a very the limited number of things I can be doing in my in my day to day. Yeah, we we're, were talking in the pre-show about my ideal male living space, this which is rules. just Look a completely this. empty ass room <laughs> and an LTEC DDR pad, <laughs> which I've been playing on fucking nonstop for like the past week. Uh, I don't have a bar, so I'm playing no bar. Dude's rough. Um, yeah, no. So I've I've been uh, I've been grinding the the life for DDR like ranking requirements, which like don't make any sense if you use ITG Mania because you have the ITG life bar and not the DDR life bar, which is like way harder and there's different timing windows. Uh, but yeah, you know I've been enjoying playing Novar because I don't normally play that way and it's a lot more stressful on the human body. Um, it feels <laughs> a lot more like doing like a weird like like agility ladder exercise rather than like, you know, gripping the bar and like, like, you know, wiggling around like a, like a madman. Um, so I've been enjoying that. I, I feel really motivated to improve it DDR relative to other games recently because my workplace actually has a DDR cabinet. Um, and I'm determined to destroy every score on that cabinet. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been I've been doing. I've been working on getting better at DDR. Nice. Love to hear it. What about you, Chroma? Uh yeah, I mean, you know. I I had the actualization of a dream. I hit two twenty five on bench. That was pretty big for me. And then I got kinda tired, so I'm taking a bit of a deload week. Uh fixing up my house, which is always an interesting uh exploration into what people think constitute fixes and how many different weird electrical boxes I can find in my walls. Or, you know, under my carpets. So really learning a lot and just, my God, is the state of housing in America just fucked. And then outside of that, I guess, which is interesting, is that there's a bit of a banking crisis, which is, <laughs> you know, occupying quite a bit of my time lately, um, but is very interesting to say the least. And uh, I see a lot of Smashers having thoughts on them, some of them very interesting, and some of them, you know, just, I guess, missing some of the context, but... It's cool watching people, I guess, grapple with that. And um, yeah, outside of that, um, I had a cat play date with uh, Jack Silla's cat Puzzle, who is 17, and my Aww. cat, who is nine. Wow, how did that go? Uh, you know, there was on screens. They both really weren't looking at each other. But uh, <laughs> Puzzle looks like a very nice little, nice little lady. Very cute, very cute. And of course, four side fights is tomorrow. We were writing questions for. Hey. It. Hey, hey, hey. Plug, plug, plug. Well, we're okay. We were about to get to it, but if you want to force your way into it, yeah. we'll get to the plugs. Jake, thank you so much. You've been such a great guest. If people want to follow you, where can they do so? All right. So I am on Twitter 
uh, these days. It's uh, Chrome09, and, you know, just kind of guess how you spell that. I guess it's under my name, but, uh, I like you know, just go wild with it. I've got, like, a, Hey, there's know, audio listeners. I've got, like, 200 followers or something like that now. It was actually kind of neat doing Top 8 and seeing, like, everyone else I was with had, like, a K next to their name, and I'm just, I'm just chilling here. Um, four side fights is tomorrow. We are on the Melee on Me thing. We have uh, Salt, Wills, Flambo. It was supposed to be the Bemi episode. And then we also have Afghans, uh, who I yeah. didn't really know very much about, and I'm wondering more about this week. And I, I've got some questions planned. So, uh, just to be clear, yeah, you're plugging the Melee on Me thing. Is Melee on Me Twitch? It Melee on Me Twitch. Yeah, you know, Twitch.tv slash Melee on Me. Thing you stream on, you know, it's not a big deal. You're gonna find it, and it's gonna be on yeah. YouTube later. You know, I appreciate when people watch the vods, but you know, give the YouTube videos some love. They're uh, put together very well by JD. And uh, Foresight Fights, if people want to find that on Twitter, where can they do so? Um, I think it is indeed uh, for you know, just go to my Twitter. You know, I'm gonna. It's Foresight Fights. <laughs> it is. It is indeed Foresight. I fights. would like you to say it, but it is just Foresight Fights. Foresight Fights. Um, but you know, let's let's get real. There's a lot of propaganda about Mikey supposedly winning some episodes, and I think if you if you do a good job counting only the legal votes and the legal points, then you, then you'll come to a different answer. Well, I've got a kindred, you know, uh, Mikey's a kindred spirit because back when we used to do uh, game shows on this show, <laughs> I think we could still do the Edward Bunny and Stock Exchange. I think that's still a thing. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I definitely won more than I think made <laughs> sense. So, so I'm with Mikey on this one. <laughs> That's fair. I, I think that's uh, fine. And, you know, speaking of the Edwin Bunny Stock Exchange, if you want to watch any of our old episodes that feature it, you can do so on the Melee Stats Archive on YouTube. Over on our main channel, Melee Stats, that's where you're going to find our longer-form videos. If you want to watch these episodes live, twitch.tv slash Melee Stats. Twitter, um, we are Melee Stats Pod. That's where you're going to find all of our results posting and links to our other stuff. MeleeStats.co, we put out articles about uh monday morning marth about what happened that past week and then uh when's melee about what melee is happening this past or this coming weekend and if you love everything we do and you just want to support us in, in the best way patreon.com slash melee stats and i will say if you want to follow uh, uh what we do you might see a little bit of a return of what we did before as a uh, very small leak that you'll see soon um it's well March. we're gonna rank a thousand people aren't we no it's ten thousand patrons we're not well maybe at some point uh, we're not ranking thousand people, but just keep in mind it is March and it's a very mad month. So maybe there will be uh, something about that in the near future if you want to check out our Twitter. Um, but other than that, I you know you can uh, catch us next time we do it because um, I don't know it'll be a fun episode. <laughs> I never had I never said because before as to why you should watch, and now I'm realizing there might not be a good reason. But I appreciate you for watching this episode, and Jake, I appreciate you for being on. Amy, I appreciate you for being on. And, uh, you know, stick around because uh, we'll be doing another episode. So catch us again next time. Peace.